Hello, and welcome to the Mama Mentor Podcast. My name is Joyce, and here we talk everything life. So here we are in September. It feels like this summer went by so fast for me. How have the rest of you been? Did you find that it went fast, or were you able to feel like it was a little bit slow? I think for me, one of the reasons why it went so fast was because this year was the first year I was kind of juggling the garden in town, in my city property, and the garden out at the farm. And that's a lot of work. It's so much fun, but it is a lot of work. Juggling the planting and the weeding. We have two ginormous rows of potatoes that have needed to be healed. So we have been working on that. And before any of you come at me, I know how late it is in the season, but we, where I live, we are still going to have probably about another, I'm going to say month to six weeks before we get a hard frost. So that gives us the opportunity to keep working at things in the garden. So we're hilling up our potatoes because for those of you who've never grown potatoes, hilling them up is what gets you the lots of potatoes because you don't want any of the potatoes poking through and getting any sunshine on them because then you can't eat them because they'll turn green and then it apparently it releases some sort of like poison or something and you can't eat them. I don't think it'll actually kill you, but apparently it makes you sick. So anyway, if you're doing gardening for the first time, especially if you're doing potatoes, when you plant potatoes, the ideal is that as the potato plants are growing, that you keep hilling them up with dirt or compost or straw, covering the plants so that only like the top four to six inches of greenery shows out. So you keep doing this continually through the whole season to increase your harvest of potatoes. So we've done a couple of hillings of the potatoes, not nearly as many as we would have done had we started them six weeks earlier, like we will be doing next year. But I think we're still going to get a very bountiful crop of potatoes. And we are so excited. It's amazing how exciting it is to grow something for yourself. So those of you go back who who haven't listened to the gardening episode, episode one and two, they're not back to back. You'll just have to look at the titles. Um, I got, was getting everyone to do two, as big a pots as they could get, plant, planting up one with vegetables or edibles like lettuce, tomatoes, kale, that kind of stuff peas, cucumbers, whatever you wanted to put in your pot, and the other one with cut flowers. So if you have done that experiment, you are probably at the harvesting stage and are probably also feeling the same joy. Now, when I first started my gardening journey decades ago, that's how actually I started, is I started with two big pots. That's why I was encouraging everyone to do that experiment that way, is because that's how I got started. And then through different city properties... I've had backyard gardens and they have been bountiful and fruitful and have given me the opportunity to experiment with new varieties, with new planting methods, with different companion plantings, just to find what works better for me. 
because here's the thing, I'm an organic planter. So that means that any soils or fertilizers that I bring into my yard are 100% organic. And I do not use any pesticide and I do not use any herbicide anywhere in my garden for any reason. So that means if we're having a particularly difficult year with a, a pest, I find different ways of dealing with it. For example, um, one year we had a little bit of an aphid infestation. So I went to the greenhouse and I bought some ladybugs and I released them into the garden because ladybugs eat aphids. Also, you can do companion planting that prevents bugs from infesting onto your crops to begin with. So for example, marigolds and basil keep everything yucky away from your tomatoes. So every year when I plant tomatoes, there is always a plethora of basil and marigolds near them so that it deters the pesky bugs that I don't want on my tomatoes. Also, marigolds are really good for around brassicas. So that's your cabbage, your broccoli, your cauliflower, and things like kale and lettuce as well, because the cabbage white moth that lays the caterpillars that chews through your crop can't smell the brassicas when the marigolds are there, because I don't know if you know this or not, smell a marigold. They don't smell very good, but their smell is very strong. So it confuses them to where the plant they are looking for is situated. So it's a good plant. So back to the farm garden. So we are going to get a lot of potatoes. Like I'm thinking hundreds of pounds of potatoes, which for the first year of breaking ground and setting up the garden is phenomenal. And we are beyond excited. Our sunflowers out at the farm are growing amazing as well. What else is growing in, in the field garden? Because don't forget at the garden, at the farm pardon me, we have two gardens. We have a four by four raised bed garden, and then we have a garden out in the field. So out in the field is where, of course, we have our potatoes and stuff like that. But we also have sunflowers, which are doing great. We also planted peas, which are doing great as well. The deer love them as well. So we'll have to think of something different next year to actually get a pea crop out of. We've gotten peas here and there, but mostly the deer have enjoyed the peas. Our squashes, so that zucchini, pumpkin, acorn squash, that kind of thing, all doing phenomenal. We are getting ready to start pulling some harvests off those. And those will be able to continually harvest until, again, the hard frost. We did plant a watermelon. It is trying its best, given the short time we've given it to grow, but we uh, sadly... And predictably, we'll not be getting a watermelon off that plant this year. However, it did let us know that it can grow out in that field. And given time, we probably would get a watermelon. So for that one, I think I'm going to start the seeds inside. Because don't forget, everything in the field garden was planted by seed. No seedlings. So I think for the watermelon, I think I will start it inside. Just to get it to a big, healthy, robust plant. And then as soon as it's warm enough, plant it outside because then I can have a very extended growing season, which will more than likely produce a watermelon, which will be exciting. The carrots are doing really good. The beans are almost ready to pick. I will be picking some today and then throughout the week as well. The beets are doing great. 
what else do we have planted out there? We've got some cut flowers there that they're getting ready to bloom. So that's going to be exciting. Probably in another week to 10 days, I'll be able to get a bouquet of flowers off of there. But actually yesterday I harvested to do a, a fall garden in my four by four raised bed. So we harvested as much as we could out of there. So we harvested the calendula. Um, I harvested the two sunflowers from there as well. One of them, the birds really got at, so there's not really any seeds left in there. But the other one was mostly full of seeds, so I'm going to dry that and get the sunflower seeds from that to feed to the birds over the winter. But I'm actually going to save the seeds to plant again next year. Going to try that for a little bit. A little bit of seed saving. But what I did was I cleared most of everything other than the zucchini, and we have a couple of carrots that went to seed. So I'm leaving those because carrots are actually a biannual. So if you leave them in the ground, the next year you will get this big seed heads on them and you'll be able to harvest the seeds from those. So I've got two that I'm doing that with. We got a ton of carrots, like probably I'm going to say five to six pounds of carrots out of that four by four raised bed. If you follow me on Instagram at seven Martians on Mars, you'll see the sunflower head that I harvested and the carrots that I harvested from that garden. So what I did was then I freshened it up with some uh, marine compost, which I prefer because it's got all that fishy elements in it and it makes everything grow good. And then I planted a little bit of a fall crop. So I planted three different varieties of lettuce, two different varieties of spinach, and one variety of kale. And those, because they're a cool season crop, they are going to do really well now that the heat of the summer is over. We're going to get lots of warm days. We've got lots of warm days ahead of us. But those really, really hot, like hot, hot summer days that tend to make stuff like lettuce and kale and spinach wilt or bolt are past us. So they will do really, really well. And we will be getting... In a few weeks, we'll be starting to be able to get some lettuce and kale off of there, and then we'll be able to continue to continually harvest those until a really hard frost takes them. And for the kale, the variety that I grow is a Russian kale. So honestly, the times that I've grown it before, we've had six inches of snow on the ground, and I was still harvesting kale. So it's pretty tough. So... That's kind of exciting that we're going to get a second crop from that four by four raised bed area. It's really been a star at the farm because I intensely planted it very soon after it was constructed in the spring and was able to harvest a lot of things. We've got peas off there. We've got zucchinis off there. There's still zucchinis coming off there. Like I said, calendula, sunflowers, and uh, like I said, about six pounds of carrots. So that's really, 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 really amazing. So I'm really excited about that to be able to continue to use that garden bed well into the fall, right up until we're getting snow on a regular basis. And I'm really, really glad that we put in the hard work to get that field garden going. That not only did we break the ground and till it all up and amend it a little bit, but we actually took a chance and planted it. We didn't know what we were going to get. Sometimes first-year gardens can be 
few and far between as far as productivity goes, but we are really excited for what we're getting off that garden. It really has done very, very, very well. And that just gives us lots of hope for next year. It's taught us a few lessons, um, especially when it came to the peas and the deer. So we know that next year we're going to plant peas differently. So the four by four raised bed that we did this year is going to be one of a nine grid system. So we're going to have eight more of those in a nine grid. So three up and three over with some trellising for things like pole beans. That's where we're going to put the peas because for some reason deer don't pick the peas as readily off of a structure as they do if they're just off the ground. Not sure why, just a fact. So our peas and our beans will be growing up trellises. We'll def with eight more garden beds, we're going to do things like have a dedicated asparagus bed that we'll be harvesting asparagus over the years from that bed regularly. We're going to have some dedicated herb beds, some dedicated cut flower beds that we're going to have cut flowers in every year. And then we're going to put things like lettuces and kale and stuff like that. So the leafy greens and the herbs and the climby things and anything that really needs to kind of be in the same place every year is going to be in that nine grid. And we're going to focus more in the garden on stuff like corn. By the way, the field corn is doing amazing. Like for how late we planted it, we've actually got cobs. We might actually actually get corn harvested. So that's amazing. Side note. But the field garden is going to be, first of all, it's going to be expanded to double the size and we're going to do more rows of things that did well. We're going to tweak things that needed to be tweaked, but we're going to, that's going to be the bigger crops, like your potatoes, your onions, your carrots, your beans, uh, squashes, corn, that kind of thing. We're even going to do turnips. We're going to do some garlic so that we can have a really big harvest because our plan is to be able to feed our entire little family from what we grow here out at the farm. So we're going to have pots of tomatoes as well growing that. But I'm also going to focus a lot of the tomatoes and the peppers until we have a greenhouse out at the farm. I'm going to focus on growing the tomatoes and the peppers in the city garden because then I can baby it a little bit more. I've got the setup already for it. And it can be, you know, like I said, baby it a little bit more. So we'll probably do a lot. We'll definitely have tomatoes and peppers out at the farm because we want to see how they do. But we are going to focus on putting those at the city house. Just so they can get that little bit more attention. It's also a little bit sheltered in the yard just because of the way I've set it up so that they don't, they're not subject to those rain, you know, those rainstorms that kind of get hail with them in the summertime. They tend to be protected in my city garden from that kind of thing. So they don't, we don't get that. Even when other people's gardens are getting destroyed, mine seems to fare very well. So that's another reason because. I want to actually have a harvest of tomatoes and peppers. I don't want them to be just wiped out overnight by a hailstorm. <clears throat> but I think large tomato and pepper and even cucumber production won't hit the farm until we erect some sort of greenhouse structure, just so that they can have the extra heat 
and the extra protection from winds and storms. So are you ready for the change of season? Part of me is, and part of me isn't. Because I really enjoy the summer. I even enjoy the heat. I enjoy the summer storms, the rain, the lightning, the thunder. I like the longer days. I like the warm breezes. I like the opportunity to feel like I can be outside sun up till sundown. Now I know those of you winter loving people go, well, you can still do that in the winter. <clears throat> Where I live in the wintertime, we have sunlight from about 9.30 in the morning till about five at night. Not the whole winter, but like kind of in the deep parts. It's also very cold. And I'm not a lover of all things cold. That being said, the farm has really pulled me out of my shell winter-wise because I'm out there snow-blowing the snow, doing some shoveling. That's pretty much all I do out in the wintertime at the farm because there's not really anything else to do because there's not really any outbuildings that need maintenance. Like we don't have chickens yet, so I don't have to do those kind of farm chores. We don't have a greenhouse, so I'm not going out and checking on the seedlings and all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of snow blowing. But that being said, I'm still enjoying it. Whereas I actually didn't before. I didn't enjoy being outside in winter at all. I just did not. There was nothing about it. I find I'm going for a little bit more walks in the winter time because I'm trying to embrace it a little bit more. We have a wood stove out at the farm. So having that crackling fire in the wood stove is very enjoyable. <clears throat> Not only because it takes the chill off the air, but there's just something about a fire. But fall is kind of that transition between that, the, that really hot and that really cold. And so there's part of me that really longs for it sometimes and there's other times I want it to be put off just because it's meaning that the seasons are changing so the season in and of itself I love not a pumpkin spice latte kind of person not at all as a matter of fact so I don't do the whole pumpkin spice thing however I love a good sweater love a good scarf Love putting like uh, like a like a two cat on my head and going for a walk in the crisp cool air. I love the sound of the leaves crunching. I love putting the garden to bed for the season, doing that fall cleanup of leaves and of putting away the tools and knowing that I'm entering a season as far as garden work is the season of rest and a season of rethinking. This is the time where we, you know, we're not out hoeing and weeding and watering and fertilizing and picking and canning. Actually, we do can in fall. Scratch that. But the rest of the stuff, we're putting all that away. And this is the season that we do the canning. So I'm excited about that. I'm loving making applesauce. I love making big batches of soups and stews 
and freezing them for the winter. I love baking bread and buns and muffins and cookies and squares and banana bread and stocking up both the freezer at the house and out at the farm with those yummy things to have as we take a break from our fall activities. Fall is kind of restful. It's kind of the... It's kind of the culmination of all the work we've done all spring and summer that we're like, okay, yes, this turned out well. Now we're canning it and putting it up for the season. However we do that, whether we're storing it in a cold storage, whether we're pressure canning, whether we're blanching and freezing, whether we're water bath canning, we're, we're, we're putting it all up, <clears throat> which is the point of it. It's the point of it is so that we can enjoy the food throughout the summer, but also to be enjoying it throughout the winter as well as far into that season as we can. And I like that. And I like the process of getting that ready. So that's the relaxing part for me, is the walks and the cozier sweaters and maybe a little fire here and there and, you know, and the canning and the baking. Those to me are relaxing, nurturing things that bring me peace, make me feel good about what I'm doing. I have no idea why I have such a frog in my throat this morning. Probably because for the last couple days, we just got a ride on lawnmower at the farm. Those of you with big properties know the joy that that is. And so like any newly acquired piece of equipment, we have to use it all day, every day for the first couple days that we have it. So that being said, I did a lot of mowing yesterday. And what I'm suspecting is the grass and the dust that was all kicked up for me doing that is making me froggy today. I digress. I'm still going on with the podcast. Because it is what it is. The other thing, however, that fall brings is also a different sense of busyness. Because for those of you with kids in school, it's back to school season back to rigorous routines that must be completed. And most of the time, about half the time, those routines are foisted upon us. So they're school routines, work routines. Uh, You know, maybe your kids do sports or dance or other kind of extracurricular activity classes that require a schedule. And then we have just the basic everyday schedule of bedtimes, bath times, meal times, making lunches, doing laundry, getting everyone out of the house at a certain time every morning and making sure everyone's put to bed by a certain time at night. So it's kind of a contrast between that relaxing, unwinding, reveling in the fruits of your labor from all summer And coming off a time that for some people is very kicked back and relaxed, not very scheduled to hyper scheduled. So it's kind of those two worlds kind of come to a head, which is why I do the schedules and the routines that I do. It's why that I have the rituals of self-care that I do for myself and for my family Because going from really kind of relaxed and go with the flow all summer to right into hyper-scheduled, for my own self, I find it's kind of stressful. Kind of makes me feel burnt out very quickly. 
But I find with my laundry routine, with my meal prep routine, with planning ahead for meals, for having very scheduled bedtimes and bedtime routines, as well as doing self-care throughout the week when it's busy, just little things here and there, like might even just be, I might just go for a half hour walk after work. I might do a 10 minute meditation in the morning. I might go for a swim to break up my day, those kind of things. That's why those are so important because I know how heavy this season can feel because it's not just back to school. We are heading into a very heavy four month period of holidays and people visiting, or maybe we're going to visit, you know, the weather is changing. So we're constantly also adjusting to those changes. And sometimes depending on where you live, like where I live, those changes can go back and forth throughout a single day. Like you could need a sweater and mitts in the morning here and be ready for shorts by the afternoon. So it's a lot. But I find that the routines and the rituals are really, really helpful to help me to glide through this time as opposed to slog through this time. And also giving ourselves some grace. Like somewhere along the line, I'm just going to get totally off track here because, you know, everything life. So here's, here's some life. Here's some life according to Joyce. Somewhere along the line, this is my little, this is my little spiel on feminism. I love it. I love the ability to choose. I love the ability to have choices, to have access to things that my grandmother did not have. Whatever that's coming up in your mind when I'm saying those words, we have access to that. We can have jobs, we can have degrees, we can have, we can be teachers, lawyers, we can be doctors, we can have bank accounts, we can own property, we can, depending on where you live, decide what we want to do with our own body. We can decide who we are in this world. That's what that was supposed to be about was to have that decision so that we could go, yes, guess what? I don't want to have kids and I want to be a librarian. Or yes, I want to have kids, but I also want to be an astronaut. And if you're capable of doing those jobs, I think you should be able to have them. I don't think you should be able to get the job just because you're a woman and they're trying to equal everything out. No. If you can't do the job, then you shouldn't have the job because that's how jobs work. You have to be able to do the job. But it was about choice. It was about being able to choose and have access to be our own person and to choose who that own person was. There's my little rant. That being said, somewhere along the line, that got messed up with we have to choose it all and do it all. Somewhere along the line, Somebody got their messages mixed and we are supposed to get up at the crack of dawn, exercise for two hours so that you can bounce a brick off our bodies. Then we are supposed to nurture our children before we go, they go to school. Then we are supposed to go off and work an eight or 10 hour workday, making buttloads of money because we've got a degree. 
And then we're supposed to come home again, nurture that family and cook the dinner and make sure all the laundry is done and do everything else. And somewhere along the line, we believed that line of crap. That if you've got folded, if you've got clean laundry in a laundry basket somewhere and you're a stay-at-home mom, you failed. If your children had to make their own meal one night a week because you decided to go and take an extra class to upgrade your education or for you wanted to do a yoga class for your betterment, that you were a failure. Somewhere along the line, we were fed the line of shit, and I'm going to call it what it is, shit, that we need to be all things to all people in our lives and basically spoon feed them their existence, keeping everything in our orbit going and that anything that we do to nurture and grow our own selves was selfish. That every time we chose us, that that meant that we were disregarding other things in our life. Like if I choose to go to a yoga class, that means I'm choosing to disregard my children or my spouse or my house or whatever. And that is bullshit. Because I'll tell you some life truths for those of you who maybe struggling with some things at the moment. I'm just going to I'm just going to tell you some truths that if you actually believe what I'm saying will take some struggle off your bus. Here's some realities. Kids can make themselves a sandwich and it's fine. End of. I don't need to qualify that. They can make themselves a sandwich. And if they have to have a sandwich and a piece of fruit for supper one night a week so that you can go to yoga class, oh well, they'll live, they'll be fine. Because their other parent could cook them dinner. If you are in a single parent household where there isn't another parent on site and your, chi- and your children are old enough to be at home by themselves, so they don't have an adult, say, to cook them for something. Here's something. Cook them how to, show them how to make some stuff. They can microwave a meal. They can reheat last night's leftovers. They can make a sandwich. Heck, they can have a bowl of cereal. If it's good enough for breakfast, it's good enough for supper. And they'll be fine. And you're still a good mom. And you're still a good person. And you're not selfish. They'll be fine. They will not grow up to need therapy, honestly. Honestly, they won't. As a matter of fact, they will start leaning into some independence, which will in turn make them more capable adults. So go to the yoga class and let them fend for yourself. We actually call it that in my house. What's for supper tonight? Fend for yourself, which means everybody figures their own self out for dinner. And it's fine. And sometimes we do it on nights that I am home 
And I just don't want to cook because those of you who have been going through TikTok lately and you've seen the whole girl dinner thing, sometimes I want girl dinner. So I say fend for yourself because I want girl dinner. And to be honest, my 15-year-old son also does a version of girl dinner. You know, we all like to have picky bits for supper. You know, maybe some meat and cheese and crackers. Maybe it's a salad. Maybe it's, you know, my son is leaning hard into salads right now. And they're fine. It's fine. (laughs) They're not going to die. It's not like you're leaving your toddlers home to go to a yoga class. That would be different. Get a, but in that case, get a babysitter and the babysitter can make them a sandwich while you go to yoga class. It's fine. Here's the other thing. Uh, your house doesn't have to be spotless all the time because you know what? People live there. People live there. So it's not going to be. Unless you live in your home by yourself, and even then, because you live by yourself, you might leave a little bit of mess because nobody's going to see it, so who cares? It's fine. It's fine. We do not have to have completely neat, picture-perfect households at all time, or even most of the time. When you flip through magazines and when you're scrolling through Instagram and when you're even seeing the, I love when people do the flashback to the fifties and the wife is wearing the dress and the apron and stuff like that. Here's, I'm, I'm going to tell you some stuff because I'm old enough to know some information. So for my younger listeners, this will be news for my older listeners. You'll be like, you'll be like, yes, girl. Yes. That's exactly what it's like. Um, those women didn't have to do anything other than clean the house and make the supper. Just so you know, like when you're going, oh, well, they used to do it all in a dress and heels and hose and makeup. Yes, because that's all they had to do. They were not running errands. The only thing they maybe did was grocery shop and groceries were different back then because everyone grew their own stuff in their own yard. So you know, and they bought stuff from a butcher on a weekly basis. So there wasn't the whole superstore. Costco nightmare that we lived through. It wasn't like that. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't do any of the banking. They weren't looking after the finances. They were not looking after retirement plans. They were not looking after all those other... They were not even looking after home renovations. They literally got up, did hair, makeup, got kids off to school, husband off to work, and then... They, yes, they cleaned their house all day and made dinner. Here's an experiment for you. Unless you live in a smaller home, this will be a good experiment for you. Find a way to get your house like mostly clean on a Sunday night And if you work, take the Monday off because this only works with you at home and everyone else isn't, okay? So get your spouse off to work, get your kids off to school, you be at home. Now I want you to go put on a dress and I want you to go put on a pair of heels, but I want you to put an apron over top because that's the key that nobody looks at. They had the dress on, but they always had the apron over top. That goes a long way. And they only took the apron off as their husbands came home. And then clean the house. And then make supper. 
What does your house look like at five o'clock at night? It's clean. You want to know why? Because nobody was home. That's why their houses were clean. Nobody was home. Nobody. Nobody was home. Even the kids after school, they came home, said, hi, mom, had a snack, went right back outside. There was nobody inside those houses. They were small, not filled with clutter, because don't forget, maybe a TV, maybe a TV, a radio, couple pieces of furniture in the living room. Each room had a bed, a dresser, and a nightstand. And then you had a kitchen table, maybe a china cabinet if you were fancy. Washer, dryer, fridge, stove, freezer. No microwaves. Oh, no freezers. Fridge, stove, and walk-in pantry. That's the other thing is a lot of those houses had pantries. So you weren't, you didn't have all your stuff. You also weren't having convenience food. So this wrapper is all over your house that you find, that people leave around or that you're stogging away. That didn't exist either. So before you start judging your 21st century house and how you keep it <clears throat> versus a 1950s housewife, remember those things. Their houses were much smaller. They had very few things in them. People had very few possessions. The women were at home and that's all they were doing was taking care of the home. So all that financial stuff that you do, car payments and filling up with gas and going to the bank and do that was not happening. They were not doing that. Women couldn't even have bank accounts till the seventies. So you weren't doing it. So there was a lot less in their day but give yourself some grace. So if you've got little ones around the house, uh, I promise you, promise you, unless you have a housekeeper or your mother-in-law or your mother comes over all the time and watches or when my kids were little, we used to do this thing where we would go to each other's house throughout the week. So this is what we do. So like, for example, I would go to my friend's house with my children The children would all play in a room, which they would inevitably destroy with all the toys out. So, but one room, but then me and my friend could go through her house together. And we all know that doing something together always makes it faster and easier. It's just the way it is and clean up her house. And then maybe two days from now, she's bringing her kids. And then before we leave, of course, we clean up the disaster that the kids made. And then a couple days later, she's going to come to my house and we're going to do the same thing over at my house. So if you can do that, bonus. We also used to do that for baking and canning. Bonus. Do that. Get a village. But yeah, so don't get caught up in this. You have to do it all and everything has to be perfect. And especially remember that as we're going through these next four months, because they are very busy months. Back to school, different holidays, different weather, And now is a good time to start some of those rituals for yourself. Now, some of my listeners work outside the home. Some listeners do not. But here's what I'm going to suggest to all of you. Do something for yourself. Take half an hour for yourself every day. And notice the word I look. Notice how I worded that. I didn't say... If you have time left over, have half an hour or find time, take it, take it from something, take it 30 minutes. 
do some yoga, do some meditation, read a book, have a hot bath, go for a walk, go to your nearest recreational center and have a swim, go for a walk with a girlfriend, um, walk your dog, whatever. Do something like that every day. Write in your journal, write about your gratitude, write some plans you want for yourself and do that every day. And make that as part of your back to school ritual. You know, maybe you are getting, you know, everyone's getting up and out of the house in the morning for school. You're doing the kids drop off. So maybe bring a really nice cup of tea in a to-go cup and listen to an audiobook as you're going to work. And instead of going into work, like being that super early person, we'll get onto that later, but go in, like, for example, like, so if you have to drop your kids off at eight o'clock for school and your work doesn't start till say nine, we'll just use those numbers for fun. Then drop your child off, then go somewhere like park close to your work so that it's not hard to get there. Don't show up at your work at eight 30. If you start at nine o'clock, don't just don't, unless you own the company, it's don't really don't because you're not being paid for that time and you don't need to work for a company you don't own on your own time. But it's a perfect time to carve out sometime you're alone in the car. Maybe you've got some overnight oats with you and a cup of tea. Park somewhere close to your work. Listen to an audio book. Listen to a podcast. Listen to my podcast. Shameless plug. And then eat your overnight oats slowly, drink your tea, maybe do some journaling and use that as your time. If that can fit into your schedule and then just, and then go to work for, you know, maybe show up at five to nine, put your stuff away and start work. And then try to take a little bit longer when it's the weekend times, if that's available. Some, some people have very busy weekends with sports and with other obligations, but try to be a little bit more. <clears throat> this, this throat is going to kill me today. I am, I have been really, I was very doing all my yoga classes in the spring and all that. But over the summer, like most people, I let a lot of things just go because I was busy with the farm and busy with the gardening. But I am picking up the daily walks. That's what I'm going to be doing for my 30 minutes is I'm going to do 30 minutes of walking. I may walk with my teenager. I may walk with my dog. I may walk with a friend. I may walk by myself, but I'm going to do my 30 minutes every day. And then I'm going to at least once a week, I'm going to take a yoga class. I have a great yoga studio in town here. They are wonderful women. I always feel very centered, very, I don't know, relaxed. So I'm going to do that. But also throughout the winter, I've set myself a goal. I am going to actually start going to a gym on a regular basis. I have not figured out which one I'm going to. I have not figured out the schedule with which I'm going to. I'm probably going to start a little bit with kettlebells and weight bars at home because I have that and because I want to build the strength in my body because I want to be more physically... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. But I want to really define my muscles, make them stronger because I am starting to require more from my body than I previously was. And I want the strength and the endurance 
for my body to be able to keep up with what I'm requiring of it. <clears throat> and it's for no other reason. It's not for a dress size. It's not for a number on the scale. It's I want my body to be able to keep up with the requirements I'm about to put on it. Because there's a lot of things that I want to do over the fall and winter months. I'm going to be planning the garden for next year. I have a lot of crafts. I tend to be a homemade Christmas gift giver, which means I'm going to have to very quickly start deciding what I'm making each person, source out the stuff, start on that. So that's going to be taking time. I want to lean harder into my hobbies than I ever have. The crocheting, the quilting, the, the, the craft painting. I want to lean hard into those. I want to lean hard into a regular fitness routine, like organized fitness routine, like swimming, going to the gym, in addition to my walks, in addition to my yoga, in addition to you know any sort of happenstance physical activity. I want to be training, if you will. Um, and not training, I'm not training for an event. I'm not training for a race. I am training for my life so that I can have the tool, my body, that will help me to do all the things in life that I want to do. Because I'm in my 50s. I don't think I've ever told you guys how old I was. I'm in my 50s and... To me, life is nowhere near over. And I have lots of stuff I want to do. Lots of stuff I want to do. So take the opportunity as this season is changing to see what small changes you can maybe put in your life that are about you and forget those feelings of not enough and selfishness and all of that because all of that is bullshit. Do something this season And by season, you know, I mean, I kind of mean fall and winter. I'm talking from September to the end of the year. Start doing something that's just about you and just for you and that makes you happy and that it's not about somebody else. It's not like, oh, I'm going to do this because then I'll be a better mom or I'll be a better wife or I'll be a better, you know, worker or whatever. Do something that is for you, about you solely and try to, discard those feelings of selfishness and shame that somehow we've bought into over the years for when we do anything for ourselves and really lean hard into it and see how great that it makes you feel. And maybe you can snowball that into more activities. So I hope you guys are getting some rest this week because back to school week, it can, the first couple of weeks are really hard. And so it's, you know, it, it started. So we're kind of into the thick of back to school. Maybe your kids have settled already. Maybe they haven't. We'll see. But start really adding, etching out time, taking, taking the time every day for yourself. Because I'm sorry, there's 24 hours in a day. You are entitled to have half an hour of those during the week and an, uh, at least an hour of those on the weekend. And that's not selfish. It's absolutely not selfish. And it will do you good. You will feel better about yourself and you will be happier. I know since I've started doing that, my happiness has grown. And I really want that for you guys. But I also want to hear about your garden. So keep me posted. Comment on my Instagram. Comment on this podcast. 
Let me know how your garden's doing. Let me know how you're heading into that back to school fall season. You know, if you got any tips and tricks for me, that would be great too. Share them. If you share your tips and tricks in the comments, I will share them on the podcast. So I'll give you some shout outs, you know, you know, like Miranda said this or Suzanne said this and, and I'll give you some shout outs for those, for those tips. Cause we all need to work together and have a happy, happy time. As always on the Mama Mentor podcast, take what works and toss the rest because life's too short to be told what to do. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Take care of you. Talk to you soon. Love you tons. Bye-bye.